We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Wonderful. Good. So, um, hello, good morning. Welcome, everyone. Um, Let me extend my welcome along with Stuart's to you, especially if you're new um, or you've been coming like... Yeah, first time or you're coming for a couple of weeks um, I'm really grateful that you've come my name's Chris and uh, yeah I'll be speaking to you for the next half an hour or so and um, yeah it's really good that you've, you've come along you've picked a great morning because we're doing our giving Sunday and uh, it's always a good morning to come to church to come and give us all your money which is great um, so thanks for coming along and um, uh, yeah no it's really good um, we've been the reason why we're doing this is because we've been going through a book of the Bible called 2 Corinthians and I would love everyone to have the Bible in front of them uh, so that you can see what we're going to be speaking from and if you haven't got a Bible with you today not to worry because our welcome team will bring you one in your seat so just put your hand in the air keep it up until a Bible arrives to you And uh, once it's come to you, you can find uh, 2 Corinthians. And it might be that your hand is up simply because you don't own a Bible or because the Bible you own is like archaic. And if that's the case, well, then you can keep this one as a free gift from us. Just pop your name in it. You can have it. It will bless you and do you good. uh, And it's yours. So that's, that's Bible. They will come. Just keep your hand up until they arrive. They're, They're making their way. Um, yes the other thing for me to mention then is that uh, yeah so we've been going through this series we've called the series authentic church and it will come up in a minute Um, yeah we called it authentic church and uh, working together through challenging times because in uh, this church in Corinth they went through all sorts of different challenges and so Paul speaks to them about lots of different things. He speaks to them about how God is the God of all comfort and how he's with them. He's not going to leave them or forsake them. He speaks to them about their glorious future that they have with the Lord and so they can endure hardships now. He speaks to them about not losing heart. He speaks to them about all sorts of different things, about how to do relationships and how to work together. And he speaks to them about this topic of giving. And so... This morning, he, he encouraged them to excel in the grace of giving, and those words come from uh, chapter 8. And so the title for today is this, Authentic Church Excels in the Grace of Giving. Now, um, money in our culture is something that's not really talked about. I think I went through all of schooling and hardly really heard anything about money they didn't really teach me how to budget how to think about finances they didn't tell me about credit cards they didn't tell me about percentages really apart from a bit in maths and I never really related what I learned there with money with budgeting with trying to survive and often as well you can you know you, you talk to people you chat you it would be considered rude if you're like oh that's a nice top how much was that like you you wouldn't say it. And I was reminded of this a few, well, it was actually last year, um, when I was in Jordan a year ago, we went a few weeks ago as a family, but when I was there a year ago, I was ha- standing outside an apartment of a couple called Paul and Joe who come from our church who are out there at the moment learning Arabic. And this old lady comes along and says, oh, hello, I've not, 
seen you around here before. And they're like, oh, no, we've moved in six months ago. And she was like, oh, great. Oh, you live here. Oh, how much, how much is your rent? And I was, like, taken aback. Oh, I can't ask a question like that. And Paul and Joe, without even thinking about it, just told them, oh, yeah, it's this, yeah. And then and they had a chat about it. Oh, that's quite a good deal. Oh, well, I don't you've done a good deal there. That's, like, Jordanian prices, not, like, sort of Western prices. And um, they chatted about it. And I asked them afterwards, like, oh, is that... You know what's that about? And they said, "Yeah, in our in this culture, in, in that place of the Middle East, actually talking about money is not it's it's, it's an interest. It's like because people want they care and they want to see if they can get you a better deal. And it's not kind of intrusive or you know private thing. But in our culture, it is. And so um, it might be that you know you're sitting there thinking oh I'm not sure how I feel about this if I'm going to feel uncomfortable listening to a talk about money and um, I want to say that I'm right with you actually um, because it's a bit uncomfortable talking about it to be honest and I've been where you are sitting on multiple occasions where a preacher has talked about money and I've got to be honest I've always looked out for any kind of hint of coercion of guilt tripping of any kind of a like forceful language partly because I'm sinful and it gives me an excuse then not to give because I'm not giving now because he's he's making me feel bad but also you know because it just it's just uncomfortable and so I just thought let's just put it all out there hey we all feel a bit uncomfortable that's okay and uh, let's give that to God and let's pray that actually what we'd hear is not necessarily from, from Chris or even from our own kind of heart, but from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. And so is it all right if I just pray for us as we look at this topic, which can evoke all sorts of emotions and feelings? Father God, I just, we just invite you into this place. We just ask you, Lord God, would you come and be with us? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? And uh, as we look at this whole area of giving, of money, Lord, I pray that we would capture your heart for this topic. Help us, Lord, to hear your words through your scripture, Lord God, that you have breathed into being that is living and active, that can encourage and rebuke and correct and teach. And so we just, we just invite you now into this place. We ask you, Lord God, to come and be with us, be with our hearts. Lord, I pray, be with me, help me to speak well. I pray be with all those who are listening either on Zoom now or in this room or catching up later on. And I pray, Lord God, help us to kind of, yeah, just be relaxed, I guess, about wording, but just try to capture your heart for us as a church in this area that we might be an authentic church that excels in the grace of giving. Amen. Amen. Okay. So... um, one in, let me give you a bit of context. 1 and 2 Corinthians was written about a year apart. And um, Paul, he wrote to them actually in 1 Corinthians, and he says this. I think I might even have it on the screen. Here. So in, at the end of 1 Corinthians, he says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections have to be made because you've already saved it all up. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. 
After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. So a bit of context. A year ago, Paul, the, the, basically there's been real hardship in the churches in Jerusalem. Paul has been at work um, and his apostolic team overseeing a number of different churches in Jerusalem, in Macedonia, which are the churches like Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, that's the Macedonian churches, and then also in Corinth and Antioch and other places. And the Jerusalem church are really struggling. They're under persecution, there's famine, there's hardship, and so what he's doing, he's going around the other churches and saying, hey, let's make a collection so that we can support those churches. So... um, And a year ago, in 1 Corinthians, he writes and says to them, hey, I want you to save up money. And now he's he's writing to Corinthians to say to them, hey, I'm I'm coming, I'm sending people, are you ready? Hey, remember remember that. And actually, we're going to read in a bit that the Corinthians responded by saying, yeah, yeah, we want to do that. We're eager to give, um, but so far they haven't yet. They haven't done that yet. They said they would do it, but so far they've not given a penny. And so Paul is writing to them, really for a number of things, but mainly is to receive, is to collect money. He he is he's been he's upfront about that. He's writing to collect money, but also I think what these chapters are amazing about is that they um, they are the longest. Ch- uh, bit of scripture that talks about giving in the bible it's two chapters we're going to work through this morning um two corinthians eight and nine and it's the longest segment that we get and so um we're going to talk about a couple of different things we're going to talk about regular giving at hope church and what that should look like we're also going to talk about how we can give beyond ourselves beyond this particular location to other churches um, and that is through commission the apostolic family of churches to which we belong who are based in the UK but also in India Nepal Serbia uh, Ghana and elsewhere and so uh, just as Paul is encouraging them to you know give money to the local church and to save money each week and do it regularly he's also encouraged them to give abroad and so today as we come to give um, I'll explain a bit more about this later most of the money we receive will be for the work of Hope Church in extending the gospel and sharing the good news of Jesus and continuing the good work that the Lord has set us out to do but 20% of everything we receive we're also going to give to our apostolic family of churches called Commission in reaching the unreached, starting new churches, supporting existing churches, raising up leaders and making sure that we're serving the poor and the most needy in our community. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do all those things. And as we work through the chapter then, I've got these key points which I'm going to pull out. Okay, so it's nine-point sermon. You thought you were coming for three points. You get nine today. Triple whammy. Um, and, uh, but I'll try to make them snappy and quick. Some will be longer than others. So if I'm on a long point, don't despair. Oh, man, this is going to take ages because some will be shorter. So you don't need to panic. So the question I'm really asking then is how, how do we... How can we be people that excel in the grace of giving? These are some of the key things that come out of this passage. So the first one is that we should know God's grace. And so the passage, uh, hopefully you've got it now. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 
Verse 1 says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So remember what he said in 1 Corinthians, he was going to go to Macedonia and then come through to them. Hey, he's about to say what, what's actually happened. In the midst of a very severe trial, it's like affliction, hardship, their overflowing joy, their abundance, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For an authentic church to excel in the grace of giving, they first and foremost need to know God's grace. Grace means an undeserved, unmerited, unearned gift. It's the gift that God gives us through his son Jesus. None of us deserve Jesus. None of us merited Jesus. None of us deserved him. And yet God freely gave his one and only son, poured him out, killed him on the cross that we might know forgiveness and grace and love and mercy, that our sins might be forgiven, that we might know life and life to the full, and that um, we can know him. And so in the eyes of the world, this equation doesn't add up. It says, in the midst of severe trial and extreme poverty, that equaled, for the Macedonian churches, overflowing joy and rich generosity. That's not a worldly equation. Extreme poverty and uh, severe trials normally equals hardship and need and want and sadness and anxiety and fear and suffering and the need for care and the need for input. And yet for the Macedonian churches, these churches in Philippi, Thessalonica and Berea, these ones that are also going through a hardship, they heard of the need in Jerusalem and even though they were afflicted, even though they were going through trials, they, they wanted to give. Why did they want to do that? It's because they knew the grace of God. It's because they knew the, the abundance in all that God has given them. And so as we came towards doing this, I was thinking, oh, we're in, we're, we've got challenges at the moment in the UK. There is the cost of heating going up. There's Obviously, there's the war in Ukraine that's affecting all sorts of the economy here. We've got fuel bills going up. We've got all sorts of different challenges. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, surely this is the worst time to, to do a giving Sunday, to say to people, hey, thank you so much for all the giving you're doing regularly. We want you to give more as a one-off. And so when I came to these passages, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe God's economy is different to our economy. Maybe... He, his wisdom is different to my wisdom. Maybe his grace is better than my grace. Maybe his understanding of the world and world systems and powers and trials and challenges is greater than mine. And so I'm encouraged that in Macedonia, who were going through all sorts of challenges and trials, they, even though they went through those trials, actually they knew God's grace. They knew his love, his undeserved mercy. They knew all of that, and all of that welled up in rich generosity. And so now Paul comes to them. He says, hey, you know this grace also. You've received this. You've known this. And so he's, he's showing us an example to say, hey, come on, I want to encourage you. you. You know this too. God hasn't just reserved all his grace for the Macedonian churches, but he's poured out on all people, on all sons and daughters. And so he goes on, and uh, having said, hey, this, uh, this uh, grace of giving comes from knowing God's grace. It's also a voluntary thing. It's not something that anyone's forced to. And so 
He goes on, he says, it's, he says this, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. In fact, even beyond their ability. It's like, wow, that's incredible. It was entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege, for the favour of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they even exceeded our expectations. They gave, first of themselves, first, they, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us also. Um, he goes on, so we urged Titus, just as he had heard earlier, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in competence and earnestness, in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. There is... Um, I, what I think is wonderful about this, because I know, because I'm one of those people that I look for any kind of guilt or coercion, I love that Paul, straight away, he says, hey, so it was entirely on their own. They pleaded with us for the favour. We recognised they were going through all sorts of challenges, and, and they pleaded with us, and so we're like, okay, if you want to do it, you can. They asked for the favour, for the privilege of sharing with, with everyone else, with this collection that Paul was getting for the Jerusalem church, and they wanted to do it. And so how did they do that? First of all, they gave it themselves to God. Having received God's grace, having known God's grace, having accepted that into their lives, having had their, their sins forgiven, their, everything they need poured out on them, the Holy Spirit filled them, then, hey, we're going to give ourselves back to God. They recognised that everything they had come from the Lord anyway. Sometimes for me, when it comes uh, to giving, I'm looking at uh, our, the amount that we have, and I'm thinking about, okay, what am I willing to give to God? This challenges me to think, I'm looking at the amount of have, it's all the Lord's, what should I keep? And release the rest to let God do. I think that's the kind of flavour that we sort of get out of these passages. That having known God's grace, received it, they now then give themselves back first to the Lord. And because they give themselves to the Lord, they give themselves to what the Lord is doing. In Ephesians 5 it says, Christ so loved the church that he died for it. And so if he, in that passage, it's talking about husbands and wives and saying, husbands, this is how you need to love your wives, just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so that tells us that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If, if we're going to give to anything, we should give to the thing that Jesus loves and the thing that Jesus gave himself up for. So giving to the church, I think it's a great thing. When um, I first came here, each Sunday, and you'd notice it, we, we put up a giving slide and we encourage people to give. And we say, hey, we want to encourage you to give. And um, uh, after the first couple of weeks, a few people come up to me and said, oh, why are you suddenly doing this? And I was like, oh, because it's, it's good for people to give to the church. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but we don't want people to feel pressured to give. I was like, no, I know, but out there in our community, Starbucks asked for their money. Uh, I was going to say Woolworths. Woolworths shut down ages ago. <laughs> I used to work in Woolworths, so big ass. Uh, the gym asked for their money. Netflix asked for their money. Do you know what? It's okay for the church to encourage people to give. Because of all the things that people spend your money on throughout the week, what's the thing that's sharing the good news of Jesus? 
What's the thing that's pressing, you know, doing alpha courses? What's the thing that's bringing life to the community? What's the thing that's serving the poor? It's the church. And yeah, churches have got it wrong in the past. That's one of the hard things, I think, about talking about giving to the church is because the history of the church, especially in the UK, is not good, is it? We know, we know that. There has been abuse of people's giving. There, you know, there has been... We, we have monuments all around uh, the country, cathedrals built on the back of people giving and probably not giving in, in the best way and abusive giving. But that doesn't mean that we should hold back from what God says. Hey, come on, let's give to the things that God loves. And Christ loved the church. He loved it so much, he gave himself up for her. And so the Macedonians, they gave themselves first to the Lord. And because they gave themselves to the Lord, they then gave to themselves, it says, also to us, because that's what the God's doing. And so um, Titus, who the plan was for him to go and, and support them in completing the act of giving, he's, he's on his way to come. And Paul says, hey, come on. It's probably a little bit tongue-in-cheek because we know these Corinthians aren't great. He's like, oh, since you excel in everything, like faith and speech and um, knowledge, he says, hey, come on, excel in this. Excel also in giving. Authentic church knows God's grace, but also gives voluntarily out of giving first themselves to the Lord and then to one another, to the church and to the other churches. He carries on and he says, I, again, I like this because it, it takes away any sense of coercion or guilt. I'm not commanding you. But he does want to do something. He wants to test the sincerity, the authenticity, the spiritual health of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through you, through his poverty, might become rich he's kind of Paul he he kind of throws in the j-bomb here that Jesus hey look Jesus has done it Jesus has given up everything surely you can you can come and give and it's hard to argue with that isn't it and he's reminding us that giving is sacrificial when Jesus was in heaven he had all the riches of heaven had all the knowledge of God he had everything and yet he gave himself up to be born as a baby in a manger, to live a life having been betrayed, beaten, whipped, abandoned by his friends, to ultimately die on the cross, to give up his life, his very breath for me and you. That is sacrificial giving. Having done that, he makes us rich, rich in Christ, rich in heavenly places, rich, full of uh, Holy Spirit full of forgiveness and so uh, Paul says hey come on it is sacrificial and uh, again uh, me and Catherine have been on a journey in our giving and um, there's been a number of times haven't there where we've, we've sat there and like oh if only we didn't give to the church we'd be able to <laughs> have more holidays and nicer cars or you know it's a sacrifice and I kind of think, yeah, that's right. Because if it was the other way around, oh, you know, if, it, if, it, if, if I couldn't list the things that we go without through my giving, then maybe I'm not giving sacrificially enough. That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? So in one sense, it's kind of like, oh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that we can list the things we are unable to do because we give to the church. Because it's sacrificial. It costs it, it costs it costs time, it costs money, it costs energy, and, uh, and yet we're so rich. We're so blessed. I've never 
I've never um, been in a moment like today, given and regretted it. Maybe for a second. <laughs> but in, no, but I, I haven't, honestly. I haven't. I look back and think, no, it's good to give. In the world's economy, the world's maths is, in order to gain more, you need to receive more. And Jesus says, it's better to give than receive. It's better, it doesn't make sense. And yet somehow when we give, we're blessed. Somehow when we give, and it's not like a transaction, I give 100, God gives me 100. No, no, later on it will tell us that actually we get blessed in righteousness and, and all sorts of different things. But there is a blessing, it's more blessed to give than receive. There is a blessing that we receive when, when we look out from ourselves and we look to others and we give to others. And so Paul says, hey, I'm not commanding you, but I just want to test what's your spiritual health like? Have you really understood this grace that God has poured out on you? And, um, and if so, then I want to encourage you to complete this, this gift that you wanted to do. He, yeah, he says, so he carries on by saying, um, and this is that giving is proportional, he carries on by saying, in verse 10, here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so, they kind of made this pledge. Now, he says, I want you to finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And I think, again, that's so helpful, isn't it? There's no point. We've got pledge things that we're going to give out later so you can pledge to give. There's no point putting down a million pounds and then praying that God gives you a million pounds so you can give. It's, not, it's according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't. There's no point going to debt, taken out a loan from the bank in order to give to the church. That's not what you have. The, God's not looking for that kind of giving. It is proportional to what you actually have. This is why it says, this is, this is what's best for you in the matter of giving. This is what's best. That A, if you pledge, you then bring that through to completion. And when you pledge, you do it according to your means. You do it according to your means. And oh, all of us want the desire to be able to give more, but we've got to, we've got to do it according to our means can't give outside of our ability all we can do is give within our means if the willingness is there the gift is acceptable but it's only acceptable according to what one has not according to what one does not have so there's a real there's a strong word from Paul the apostle to the Corinthians and I believe to us today is don't give outside of what you're able to don't go into debt in order to give to the church don't you know there's no point blessing one person over here and and then being in need over here that's that's not what he's looking for he's looking for people to be proportional to look at what you have and then to give out of that um yeah okay let's let's keep moving so it's proportional it's also countercultural. So he says this, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed. This is the this is exact point he's making. We don't want you to, be, we don't want to, you to relieve others and then you be hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. 
At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need later on. The goal is equality. And then he quotes from Exodus, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. I believe, basically, there is a sinful nature in all of us that we want to acquire more than what we really need. That there's a, that's just a reality. That is the nature of economics. That is the nature of society, that we want to gather more than what we truly need. And this comes right out in Exodus. So in Exodus, they're uh, walking around the wilderness. Uh, this is chapter 16. And um, have, when they're walking around the wilderness, God amazingly and miraculously provides manna each day that it appears. But God gives some instructions. Let me read some of it. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. Um, the Israelites did as they were told, but some gathered much, some little, according to their need. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. It tells you about on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much so they could rest on the seventh and so on. But there's, like, there's a principle there that even you know, thousands of years ago, it was the same principle, is that when, it's, you know, when you walk out, if money appeared on the ground where you walked, you'd, you'd want to gather as much as you possibly could, more even than what you need. And yet God is saying, and the, the principle of the Bible is actually, no, get what you need, and then the rest you leave to others, you give away. That's quite, it's quite a challenge, isn't it? But throughout the whole of history, this is what mankind is like. You can see it right in Adam and Eve in the garden. They had all the fruits of all the trees, of all the plants in the whole garden, and God says, don't eat of that one. And they're like, oh, but but we want the one. Yeah, but you've got all of this, but we want more than what we need. That is just nature, isn't it? It's in all of us. We want more than what we need. And Adam and Eve did it. The guys in Exodus did it. The guys in Corinth did it. This was a rich city. All the wealth of the world was coming through the, the two main ports in Corinth. All the philosophical leaders were coming there. All the bright ideas were coming there. And the money was there. And they had a lot of it. And so giving it away is hard and it was challenging. And Paul says, no, come on. Let's be people who give counterculturally. Because the culture says, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, take, take, take. You know, rise up. Do as much as you can. Gather, gather, gather. And then you'll be happy. And God says... Take what you need and give the rest away. Take what you need. You don't need it. It's like smelly maggots. You don't need it. Give, give away. Bless others according to their needs. And as you do that, when you're in need, you'll be blessed. God will supply. And so the goal is equality. Okay. There you go. Is that, is that helpful? Give counterculturally. It's not easy. It goes against our very nature. But it's, this is what God says. 
Okay, then the next bit, we're on number six. We need, we're called to receive gifts with integrity. So this is a message for the church, to receive integrity. He says, thanks be to God who put in the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and he's doing it on his own initiative. We're sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his gospel, for his service to the gospel. We, have, we don't know who that person is. What is more, he, has cho- he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honour the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, this free gift. For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. And so there's this challenge here that as churches receive income and gifts, that they need to administer that with integrity. It's important that they do that. And we know the history of the church hasn't always done that well, but it's important that churches do, that we, there is a challenge to make sure that we do that, not just for the sake of the Lord, but also for the sake of outsiders, because there is criticism. There was, it was possible for criticism to come on Paul, which it did do, which we heard earlier in chapters of the Bible. And so now he wants to make sure that in the eyes of all man that he's administering this gift well. He's not siphoning it for himself to go and buy his private jets or whatever, but actually he's using it honourably. And that's important for us to do too. And so in Hope Church, we do. Hopefully you know this, um, that we make sure we establish policies for secure handling, for counting and for recording of all gifts. We prepare and manage a budget and our trustees do an excellent job with that and Ed, who's our treasurer. We conduct an external accounting audit annually. That's recently been done for last year. It's up on the charity commission and the company's house. We make sure that we provide regular reports to the trustees and to the charity commission. We have a financial report to the church, which happens every January. And we also uh, publish our accounts online. It's the charity commission. It's also to company's house. We do these things to be open and transparent to make sure that we're administering the gifts that we receive well. And hopefully that gives you confidence in, in us as we do that. We also make sure we review. So at the moment, as a staff team, we, in fact, we recently went and looked at new offices because we can uh, almost halve our rent for offices. And so we're like, okay, well, that's important for us to do because then we can manage, steward our income well as a church. And so we're, looking, we're in the process of that at the moment. And uh, you can pray for us, pray that that goes through, <laughs> through smoothly and we should be in by the, by the new year or in early December. Um, and so it's these kind of things that we want to do, we want to manage well. And Paul says, hey, we, he, we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of mankind. Integrity, and this is an application point then for each of us, integrity isn't just about doing what's right, it's also about being seen to do what's right. Here's an example. When me and Catherine were students before we were married... We, we had student houses, and students, you'll be aware of this, that often the only place you can go where you have privacy, because we're boyfriend and girlfriend, is in your bedroom, because everywhere else is like communal areas. And so one day, we're in uh, my bedroom, and we're kind of play fighting, tickling and stuff, laughing, and one of my housemates hears this and assumes that we're up to bad behaviour. 
So doesn't talk to us, goes to my pastor and tells him, oh, do you know, Chris and Catherine, they've been getting up to the business, the naughty business, and they're not even married yet. And so <laughs> my pastor hauls me in. Uh, he doesn't haul me in. He comes and has a chat with us because he's gracious and kind. And he says, oh, Chris, we've, you know, we only housemates has told us about this. And obviously we were horrified, we were shocked. But what it taught me was integrity isn't about just doing what's right. It's about being seen to do what's right. And so from then on, we made sure that the bedroom door wasn't shut or that we were in communal spaces so that we could be seen to be in- integral. And this is what Paul's saying here. For each of us, it's not enough. Inte- like char- having good character is important. Having integrity is key as well. So we do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Because this, this is what I'll say. Hold on. Well, God knows what we did. It's like, yeah, yeah. But we also need to have integrity in the eyes of mankind. And so that's what Paul does, and that's what we're encouraged to do too. But it's not just the church that needs to have integrity, because Paul goes on and he says, actually, we, the givers need to have integrity. We need to give with integrity. And so in verse chapter 9, it says, There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help. In fact, I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you in Achaia were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this manner should not prove hollow. That was probably going to sting a bit. But that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed, would be humiliated of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift and not as one grudgingly given or a stingy gift. So there's a, there's a challenge there now to the integrity of the giver. And he's basically saying, he's saying to, the, to these Corinthians, hey, you... You piped up a year ago saying, yeah, we're willing to give, we want to give, we're going to give. And then now they haven't given. They haven't given a penny. And so he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm sending this letter to encourage you. Hey, don't forget, you, you pledged this. You said you were going to give. And I want to be embarrassed if I turn up with all my friends to, to collect the money and there's nothing there. So here's like, a, here's like a warning up front. Hey, get ready, come and give your gift. That's quite a challenge. That's like, I feel like that's quite a challenging bit. But essentially what he's saying is, if you pledge, fulfill the pledge. That's integrity. Integrity for the church is important, but integrity for the giver is important. It's hollow to pledge, but not follow through. So it might mean for some people that it's important, you know, and I'd say this for families, if you've got a spouse, if your spouse is not here today, don't give without them knowing because it might be difficult for you to fulfill that pledge, maybe go home first, pray and talk with your spouse, and then, and then give. There'll be some people say, you can't give today because you need to have a conversation with someone. That's okay. That's important for you to do. Uh, it's a good thing for you to do. Um, it's important to be accountable to those around you, to those who are financially dependent on you. In chapter one, it says, let your yes be yes. Let's be people like that. Let's, this is what integrity for the giver means. And then number eight says, give generously. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. He will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is incredible passages. It's basically saying, because God has been so generous and gracious to you, you should be generous and gracious to others. And as you are generous and gracious to others, God will bless you with righteousness and with abundance so that you can continue to be generous to others. He doesn't bless you. Everything you have is not given to you to keep hold of and to bless yourself, essentially. Everything you've been given is to go and to bless others, to be generous with others. Uh, an authentic church that excels in the grace of giving is a, is a church that gives generously. And do you know what's incredible about this church is that you give so generously. You know, through challenges that we've faced this year, our income has uh, been what we expected it to be over the year. That is incredible giving and generosity. We're just so grateful and thankful to you for that. It's just amazing that from the start of the year, what we predicted was going to happen has actually happened. That is amazing. It's just amazing. I'm so grateful to all of you for incredible giving. And here, Paul is saying, hey, that's, this is a good thing. Not reluctant, not under compulsion, but whatever you've decided in your heart, that's what we're called to give. And we're called to do that generously. And as God, as we do that, it's not that God will pay you back pound for pound. That's what the prosperity gospel says. But it is that he will bless you. He will bless you abundantly. And that can happen in all sorts of different ways. And here it says specifically, he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. In every way. And it says, so that you can then continue to be generous on every occasion. And, uh, yeah, and I'm going to move on because it finishes, that sentence finishes. And through us, your generosity will result in praise, in worship, in thanksgiving to God. And he says, he finishes off, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. Oh, I'll come back to that. It's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. Here we go. But leads uh, uh, to those people, but is also overflowing in many expressions to thank, of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God. For his indescribable gift, his inexpressible gift. There is amazing blessing to come when we give and it results in worship. Worship within the congregation, worshiping within those who receive it, worshiping those who are affected because of the giving that's been given. There is it's, it's worshipful. 
It's joyful. God loves a cheerful giver, we heard earlier. Not reluctant, not compulsive, not, um, but, but through what we've decided in our hearts. And so we're encouraged to come in worship and in joy and in generosity to give and provide to all that the Lord is doing and, and trusting that it will result not only in our righteousness, and the harvest of our righteousness, but also in worship for others, that others might praise God, that others might come to know him, that others might be blessed by that giving. And so um, I will go back because there's two ways in which we encourage people to give through our church. There is regular giving at, the, at our church, and then there's this one-off special Sunday giving. So I'm going to talk about regular giving and then this one-off special Sunday. Regular giving. Throughout the Bible, Jesus... Uh, or throughout the Bible, God encourages the people of God to give, to give to the mission, to give to the people, to give to what is going on, whether that's the temple in the Old Testament or the church in the New Testament. And as Jesus comes along, uh, there's stories in the Bible where people come to him and say, oh, I've fulfilled all the laws, what else shall I do? And he says, well, sell everything and give that. And there's a man who goes away sad because he, he doesn't feel like he can do that. But Jesus, he, he doesn't basically say, well, let's just keep the kind of 10% law standard. He says, no, no, we're looking for generous giving. Above and beyond, abundance, overflowing, all that you can do. And so I, for me, I know that giving is a bit like a plant. You can only give as much as what you've got. So, and a plant can only grow as big as its pot that it's in. Right? So it's quite a good analogy. And sometimes our pots grow and shrink. And, you know, when we retire, they might shrink. When we lose our job, we might shrink. When we get a promotion, they might grow. And so giving is one of those things that constantly needs to be under review. Actually, it's good for that thing to be under review and for us to think about how, how is our giving growing or shrinking in proportion to what we have in, within the means that we have. And so I find a plant analogy quite helpful. And I want to encourage everyone who, who's part of Hope Church, who calls Hope Church their home, to think about where they are on the plant and think about what step they might take over this next year. And so it might be that you've never given to us before. And so maybe for you, a step would be to start giving. Just a one-off gift. That could be for you. However small, the journey begins with a one-off gift. It might be that you've given a one-off gift before, and for you it might be a step to give more regularly, maybe like once a month or once a week, however you get paid or whatever, uh, or once every few months. It might be, and I think this is the biggest step, that you want to start to give towards 10% which would be something that I think Jesus would encourage. I think he would encourage us to go beyond that um, because the law isn't, uh, yeah. But I think you, you could work towards that. And for me and Catherine, we found that going from step two to three, that took us the longest amount of time. Because 10% is a lot. You feel it. You feel it a lot. That took us the longest amount of time. So it might be you're going from 4% to 5% over this year or 5% to 6%. But I encourage you, what steps could you take in your giving? And then if you're already giving 10%, well, how can you grow into being a generous, abundant giver, an overflowing giver? What steps might you take that are over and above versus overflowing? And it might be that uh, for some, the good thing about this is that it's about proportion. Every single person in this room can take a step today because it's not about amount. It's about proportion, about proportion of where you are. 
And so my encouragement to you is to think about, is, is it might be, because I've not really gone into Jesus on giving regularly to the church, it might be you want to go and do some research and read a bit more, and I can help you with that. I've got loads of Bible verses, stories that Jesus talks about on giving, and I'm really happy to share that with you. It might be that you feel like, no, actually, I, I do want to take my steps in my regular giving. I want to encourage you to think about that um, as we do that, as, as, as we progress through this next year. I also want to encourage you to think about these one-off giving. And we're going to do that in a moment. We're going to do a one-off gift, because this is like a particular special Sunday. We're doing it mainly because we've come to this part in 2 Corinthians, chapter 8 and 9. And because there are actually some great things that we want to grow into next year um, that I think your giving will help us in. And so some of the things that God's been speaking to us about this, my clip is not, well, here we go. God's been speaking to us about these, this last year or so is about um, all that we do in terms of uh, reaching people that don't know Jesus yet. And so some things that we've been growing in is like our alpha courses, and we want to continue to put them on every uh, spring and every autumn. And so your giving will help us to do that. Your giving will help us to put on low bar events like the church day out, like the light party we just did where we had loads of people to, like the quiz night that's coming up, like our carols, making sure that we can continue to put on these low bar events where people can come to. It's this external stuff that we can invite people to. It will help us to continue to give to Paul and Joe. And uh, we give to them about £1,000 a month, which covers about half of their language costs, because it's quite expensive learning language over in Jordan. And so your giving will help us to continue to do that. And we want to make sure that our meetings can continue to be more accessible for people. And so uh, updating equipment and making sure that people at the back can see and hear, all those kind of things we can do through the giving that we receive today. And the other thing that we're going to do with this giving is we're going to give 20% to commission. And commission is our apostolic family. We're going to be gathering together at the annual festival next summer, which is going to be fantastic. Thousands of people gathering together, worshipping God. And what we want to be able to do is we want to make sure we resource that well. We want to make sure that we can continue to start and support existing churches. Commission give to Paul and Joe. So as we give to commission, they give to what we're doing here uh, through Hope Church. We want to continue to raise leaders and reach unreached nations. We want to distribute funds to those who are most in need around our world, uh, especially those in India. We had Emmanuel last week from India who's telling us a little bit about the challenges that they're facing there, especially the pastors being beaten up and put into prison. We want to support the work that God is doing through, beyond Hope Church. And so I want to encourage you, as we've looked at this topic of giving, excelling in the in the grace of giving it's not that we need to start doing it it's that I want to encourage us to continue to press into what God's called us to because we are a generous church it's wonderful that all that God is doing through us let's continue to be generous in that way um, so let's have the worship team to come back up and um, as they do yeah we're going to get we're going to get the kids in which Paul you, know, you, you come up Stuart's going to speak in two seconds just practically, I want to give you some practical details. What's going to happen now is we're going to worship. We're going to spend a couple of songs worshipping. During that time of worship, I want to encourage you to take a moment to pray about what you might give. You've got two leaflets in or around you on your seats. One is a purple one. That's one for you to take home. And that has details about how you can fulfil your pledge. 
Okay, so you can take that home. The other one is a white one, and that's one where you can write on what you pledge to give. And what we want to encourage you to do is we're going to have that table here at the front, which we'll bring out here, is during this time of worship, I want to encourage you to come and to give and to, to, to put your pledge in the box. Obviously, if you're a guest, if you knew your first time, you're released. Everyone, to be fair, everyone is released. Hopefully you've heard that through the message today. No one has to do anything. It's completely up to you. Um, but during that worship time, if you feel, if you've decided in your heart you want to give, then the table will be here ready. And at the same time, our young people, and maybe if you have, they're going to come and give some things as well. Do you want to mention that? Thanks very much, Chris. Uh, lots to, to chew over there. Um, so our young people, thank you for your patience. Um, they've been making some cards for the um, food bank um, gift bags. Which So gonna, they've actually made some Christmas cards, aren't they? Well, well ahead of things. And um, so that's what they've been doing. They've also um, got some little gifts uh, for some, some of you in the church. And maybe if you'd be open to receiving a little token gift from one of the children, could you put your hand up now and just hold it up? And then children, um, if you could come in and uh, come to someone who's maybe put their hand up, which means that they're open to receiving a gift. Come on. I think more of you are open to receiving a gift than that, surely. And so children, do you want to come and bring your little gift to someone who's holding their hand up? And um, then when you've done that, children... I invite you to go to where, if you've brought a contribution for the food bank, um, then bring it up. We've got some bags here. We'd love to fill these bags. So feel free to come and bring your gift for the food bank to the front. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, I'm going to hand over. So we're going to worship. Why don't you stand together as well and keep, keep your hands up so the kids know where they're coming to. But I'm just going to pray. And then uh, we can take this moment to give, to worship, to thank God for what he's doing. Heavenly Father, we just want to lift up to you this time of giving. Lord, I thank you for our young people and these uh, items for the food bank that they've got ready and available for, for food bank. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless the food bank mightily and all those in our community that are in need. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that you would continue to bless us as a church, help us, Lord God, to excel in this grace of giving in all these different ways. Thank you, Lord God, that our giving is voluntary, it's proportionate, it's a free will offering. Thank you, Lord God, that we are called, Lord, to come and give first and foremost to you, Lord, and then by your grace to one another. Thank you, Lord God, for the family of churches that we belong to. Thank you for commission. Thank you for all that we do together as a family. And we just ask you, Lord, today that through all the, the, through the gifts that we give, food and financially, Lord, I pray that you would multiply it, that you would use it abundantly for your glory. We pray, Lord God, that you will enable us as a church to continue to step into all that you've called us to. And I pray, Lord God, that you would uh, be with us. I pray, Lord God, that you would uh, fill us with your overflowing abundance and grace and mercy today that our worship to you would be received by you, Lord God, as praise and adoration unto your name. Be blessed, we pray, in your name. Thanks for listening. 
We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.